are Joe Ed from the Gothic Quarter. This is the Rorschach, Georgia update from the 29th of September, 2022. Quick summary of what's going down in Georgia. Tuesday the 27th marked the 29th anniversary of the fall of Sukhumi, a coastal city, capital of Abkhazia. August 1992, an armed conflict broke out in Abkhazia, which is located in the northwestern part of the country. Georgia's armed forces tried to defend the Sochi and Guri section of the railway from military. The Abkhazian army involved Russian soldiers, particularly later on, as well as Chechen mercenaries, and was created under the orders from Václav Artzimba, head of the Supreme Council of Abkhazia. On the 27th of September, 1993, the Abkhaz Russian forces captured and killed Zhuli Shartava, the head of the Council of Ministers, 27 of its employees, and Guram Gabeskiria, Sukhumi's mayor. The same day Sukhumi fell, the Georgian armed forces lost the fight and the war came to an end. According to data collected by the Georgian side between 1992 and 1993, more than 10,000 Georgian soldiers and civilians died in Abkhazia. While almost 300,000 people were displaced, the Abkhaz side said that 3,500 Abkhazians died and that 2,000 were injured in the conflict. So, on Tuesday the 27th, Prime Minister Yadakli Kharabashvili and Tbilisi Mayor Kaki Kaladze visited Shartava's memorial in Tbilisi to commemorate the date, to also unveil the bust of Zhiuli Shartava. Kharabashvili gave a speech and once again spoke about how important it was to avoid any complications. Not clear what he means, but probably another thing about saying mean things about Russia that may make them invade Georgia, which seems unlikely considering what's going on in Ukraine and all the draft dodgers trying to get into Georgia from the north. On the same day, later in the evening, a massive march was held in Tbilisi. Many people marched from Roosevelt Monument to the Parliament in support of integrity and freedom of Georgia and Ukraine. The event was organized by media outlet Tabula, some NGOs, such as the Assembly of Abkhazians, Voter Education Society, Freedom Institute, among others, and Ukrainian activists in Georgia. Looks like many Russians are also trading war for peace and escaping Putin's regime. According to the Ministry of Internal Affairs, more than 10,000 Russian citizens enter Georgia daily. Russians lined up at the Georgian border claim to have traveled several kilometers on foot or by bicycle to reach the Larsi border checkpoint, paying bribes along the way throughout Russia. The opposition demands that the executive deny Russian citizens entry into the country. However, the government seems to hold the exact opposite view. On Tuesday the 27th, Irakli Kobachidze, chairman of the Georgian Dream, or Otsneba, stated that one of the main reasons for not closing the border is that there are Georgians who live in the Russian Federation, and they might want to come back to Georgia. Huh. So according to Kobachidze, closing the border would be against the interests of Georgians. Brilliant. Even though Georgia has been known for its hospitality, some citizens have mixed feelings when it comes to hosting Russians because of the current war and the ongoing Russian occupation of 20% of the country. Facebook, which is the most popular social media platform in Georgia, has been flooded by pictures of random Russian families with babies and toddlers, cute artsy folks, people of all ages, most of them moody and exhausted trying to cross the Georgian border. Many Georgians felt empathy for them, while others called them deserters or draft dodgers. Anyway, 
people's feelings might not be the only reason behind the government's policy towards Russian citizens. On Wednesday the 28th, the European Bank for Reconstruction and Development published Regional Economic Prospects Review. According to the document, the country's economy had a robust growth over 10%, which was boosted by the temporary inflow of Russian businesses and technology sector professionals. The review also highlighted that these trends have helped to cover Georgia's trade deficit and helped to strengthen the value of the lottie, which led to an increase in foreign reserves. In other news, prominent Georgian fascist group, the Georgian National Unity, has re-emerged online months after their so-called commander, Giga Chelidze, was released from prison. After being largely banned from Facebook and bereft of their leader in 2018, the Georgian National Unity resorted to YouTube and Telegram to recruit members and issue anti-Semitic and racist statements. In the past few months, the leader has been able to do a twice-weekly YouTube show called Fascist Talks. In his show, Chelidze has called Marxism and liberalism, quote, viruses of international Jewry, end quote. He's accused Jews of starting the war in Ukraine, despite YouTube saying it would tackle hate speech, including Nazi ideology. This Nazi group appears to have faced no problem so far on the platform. Want to know more? Link in the show notes. On Tuesday, the 27th, non-governmental groups nominated Anna Abashidze, Georgi Burjanadze, and Nazi Janezashvili for the position of Georgian public defender or public defender of Georgia. In total, 52 non-governmental organizations and groups endorsed their candidates. The NGOs believe that the three candidates have public confidence and they are unbiased and independent. According to Kobachidze, any candidate might compete in the race. The members of the parliament will have to decide whether they reject or support the nominations. What's happening behind the scenes in the national movement? One of the members, Badri Basishvili, left the political council of the party on Monday the 26th, claiming that the Natsebi started to lack responsibility and discipline. Official statements are yet to follow this story, but some leaders from the ruling party, including Irakli Kobachidze, have been speculating on this disagreement within the party long before Basishvili's departure. So with all the traffic in Tbilisi lately, streets, roads, public transport are so overcrowded that being late seems to be the new normal. Well, actually the old normal too, but now with a universally acknowledged common excuse. On Wednesday, the 28th, Tbilisi Mayor Kaji Kaladze pledged the mayor's office would ensure the fastest, most accessible and comfortable public transport and reduce traffic congestion in the capital city. About 590,000 cars are on Tbilisi's roads every day, which is a ginormous figure, Kaladze said. He also told the press that relevant agencies of Tbilisi City Hall have identified 12 locations requiring certain works to prevent traffic jam. He also added the authorities were working to resolve the issue, but claimed the problems the city were facing were not going to be resolved instantly. The mayor also said... The completion of road rehabilitation work on Queen Ketavan and Melikashvili Avenues would ensure modern road infrastructure for an updated and European-style public transport in Tbilisi, and he encouraged citizens to use it instead of private vehicles. He did not say the answer that everybody knows, which is fewer cars through more effective regulation and taxation. On Wednesday the 28th, NATO trainers went to Georgia. The country's border police said that the Allied Maritime Command the Central Command of NATO's Navy held a training session with the Georgian Coast Guard. Command introduced the Coast Guard to the Alliance's maritime security operations. NATO's navigation 
Center and its counterterrorism operation, Sea Guardian. To close this edition, interesting story provided by one of our listeners. A Georgian immigrant has an exquisite restaurant in San Francisco back in 1953. In the 30s, he starred in many films while living in Georgia, but then he emigrated to the United States in 1947. He became a U.S. citizen in 1953, the same year he opened a restaurant. The place was known in San Francisco simply as Alexis and was a plush Knob Hill dining spot. It was famous for its French cuisine and wines. It was also a swinging disco and was frequented by everyone who was anyone in San Francisco. For decades, the fanciest club in San Francisco. Gone now remains unparalleled. That's it for this week. Thanks to all of you who wrote to join the conversation about community. For those who are interested, we have a newsletter on Substack. It comes out less than once a month for the most part. If you want to join, hear about why we do these updates and other big picture aspects of Rorschach and what we're trying to build, email us at podcast at Rorschach.com. We'll report and keep the conversation going there. Nachbandis. Nachbandis.